Welcome to the Overdrive Outdoors podcast. Your source for coyote hunting, fishing, and more. We're calling West Texas, and we're filming, and we called 36 coyotes in one night. Two years ago, three years ago, I had in one morning six bucks that were three and a half and older within 50 yards of my stand. Six different bucks one morning. It was in October. Went made my first coyote stand, me and my cousin. And uh, very first freaking stand, guys, we called up seven coyotes. <laughs> seven coyotes. Florida itself is a fisherman's paradise. We stick out in the middle of the water, man. There's water everywhere. Let's kick it in the overdrive. This podcast brought to you by Predator Hunter Outdoors. Locally owned and operated out of Attica, Michigan, Predator Hunter Outdoors will keep you hunting when the sun goes down. Predator Hunter Outdoors has something for every budget and experience level, including lights, night vision, and thermal, as well as a full line of tripods, mounts, and predator calls. Look them up on Facebook and Instagram at Predator Hunter Outdoors, or visit their webpage at www.predatorhunteroutdoors.com. Enter the promo code LIGHT for 20% off light products, and TRIPOD for 10% off tripods and mounts. With today's technology, hunters in the field have more tools than ever to maximize their outdoor experiences. One of those tools is a Grand Rapids, Michigan-based HuntWise app. The HuntWise Pro app is loaded with features including property lines, landowner data, windcast, huntcast, over 250 map layers including 3D maps, a localized rut indicator, as well as discounts of 20% off various name brand products. Step up to the Elite membership and you will get all of that plus HuntCast 2.0 with customizable alerts, Whitetail 365 which gives you season dates and local rut times as well as the best time to plant your food plots, a 15 day hunt forecast and 40-50% to 50% discount on name brand products. Enter code OVERDRIVE for 20% off your membership to HuntWise. Welcome back everybody to the Overdrive Outdoors podcast. Thank you all once again for clicking play and download this week. This week we have part two of the episode with the one and only dog soldier, Mr. Steve Kreiner. And they are going to be talking about things like custom rifles that Steve builds, calibers he prefers, night hunting versus day hunting, and a whole lot more. So let's get into this episode, part two of the one and only dog soldier with Steve Kreiner. Let's go into a little bit of technical stuff. Um, okay. When you first, what did you shoot that first gray fox with? Thirty out six. <laughs> and there was a there was something left when you were done. No, I killed two <laughs> predators. My first time I ever killed a predator, I killed two. Oh. <laughs> I had the front half and the back half. <laughs> nice. <laughs> no, actually, I used to tell that story at my seminars all the time. But actually, it just pinholed him. I was shooting one hundred twenty-five grain core lock soft point and it went straight through him didn't even do nothing just like a typical soft point predator situation you know they're not not like a fox has a lot to stop that no no and neither does coyotes that's the worst bullet choice in the world for predators um i think it's a horrible bullet choice period i shot a a 160 inch whitetail in kansas last week with a 220 grain eldx out of a 300 rum and it didn't even exit at 200 yards that's good bullet choice because when right. you cut that cavity open and everything inside just pours out, yep. you've done your job right. So tell me about your progression of what your choices have been for predator hunting from 
you know, when you first got your start with that out six to now, like what ones have you tried and what would you consider to be your top one that you like to use now? Um, I always liked the 30 out six. It was like my favorite forever and ever, just because that's what we had. When we were younger. And then I got a, uh, 243. Mm-hmm. And then I shot that a long time and then I, I got a 22, 250. And then before you, before long, I start recognizing the importance of the parent cartridge. Mm-hmm. And I'm like 243s, 308s, 22, 250s, 250 Ackleys, now six Creeds. I mean, 22 Creeds. I mean, that casing is my favorite because I've got a lot of favorite calibers. And as a gun builder, you know, I built over 150 custom guns now in, in almost three years. Um, it's a good living and I, uh, but I do tell everybody the only, the biggest holdback as a custom gun builder that I have is I, my lack of knowledge for other cartridges because I got what I like and what I'm passionate about. But, but now I find myself building 338 edges, um, you know, 257s, you know, 65284 Normas. I mean, I'm just build everything. And, um, you know, it's, it's, it's just, my evolution has not been very great, I guess is what I'm saying as far mm-hmm. as it's went from a 30 out six. I still got them, but you know, two forty threes, twenty two two fifties. I do shoot a six creed religiously now. Um, because, and, and this ain't a pitch. Nobody sponsors my ass. I'm a hundred percent independent and I do what I want, but I will tell you every six millimeter creed more I have ever built shoots that Hornady precision hunter, 103 grain ELD just lights out Mm. and so i just started shooting them because i i started buying that stuff i could find it so i got over a thousand rounds of that in my garage and now what happens when people call me for a custom gun they say well what are you shooting and i tell them they're like why don't you just sell me that one well i'm in the gun business so i just sell them that one and build me another one so i just i go through a lot of six creeds just for that reason but i love the six creed because i love heavy bullets i love energy and i love i love I mean, you can shoot a coyote and a toenail with that thing, you know, and, uh, but yeah, my evolution has not been that great when it comes to cartridges. I'm not a 300 PRC, 65 PRC type guy. They're great cartridges. But I look at them like shoes. Um, you know, I wear black t-shirts and Ariat pants and a ball cap every day of my life. And like this one's got a logo on it, but you hardly will ever see me in a logo shirt. I mean, I mean, I just got my way of doing things. Right. And so it's not, I'm not really a, Hey, I'm going to shoot that. Uh, I did build me a Creed 22 Creed one time and I had it for about a week and somebody bought it and I ain't built me one. It so, was a, it was an act of God to get me to shoot six Creed. So if I were to come out there tomorrow and say, Hey Steve, let's go hunting. The rifle you would grab would probably be a six Creed. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Cause I like, we'll just go kill coyotes, you know, coyote hunting sucks here. But but we can surely find one. <laughs> it does really suck here. We got good government trappers here. Yeah. And there's a lot of BLM land here. And during deer seasons and everything else, it's constant road rage. And, and you we, know, I tell everybody they shoot the first four corn and then they shoot whatever walks after that that's legal, which is jackrabbits and coyotes. I've hunted Wyoming three times now. Only once did I really focus on coyotes for a little while. We seen one coyote that was probably about 2,000 yards away that paid no interest. Um, then we drove up to Montana and we killed some in Montana. But yep. Wyoming, we were focused on mule deer and antelope. And then we took like one afternoon, went out doing some calling out there. And like I said, we just seen the one and he wasn't interested Man, at all. And he was a long ways out there. Dude, it's tough here. I'm telling you. 
So now one thing I will say is I don't recall ever seeing you shoot an AR. Are you strictly a bolt guy? Yes, I'm strictly a bolt guy. Um, I remember um, what the heck was that guy's name? Um, Jim Zumbo. Remember when oh, Jim Zumbo? Zumbo said, <laughs> oh yeah. You remember Everybody what he said? Zumbo. Wait, what did he say? I I don't like ARs and I don't think they should be hunting rifles. Yep. And that, hell, he lost sponsors over oh, that. Yeah, they that well that coined the term getting zumboed. Yeah. Well, here's the deal. I like ARs. They're fun to shoot and everything, but they, I can't argue with it because a lot of people are shooting them at night now because the rec the recoil reduction is really good how they operate. You put thermal on them and throw a can on them. I mean, they got a job and they're quick follow-ups. Uh, Byron always shot one. I thought I was going to, I thought I needed to shoot one one time. I had a gun builder out of Oklahoma build me one. I loved it. It was so freaking cool. It's called the Viper. Um, we, we named it the Viper. It looked like a copperhead. Um, I couldn't hit shit with that thing. <laughs> I mean, it was accurate gun. Right. You shoot all day long in good groups, but Let's when it comes, I just, I just something about hunting with them. Completely what, different ergonomics. Yeah, and you know, eleven or twelve years ago, when Mossberg sponsored Dog Soldier, uh, you know, I flagshipped their uh, their MVPs. Yep. I think is what they called it. Yep. And then they come out with the Mossberg MMR, which was that AR. Yep. I missed nine coyotes in a row with that thing. I, I just, I, I just can't something about them. Um, I'm, I don't get along with chassis bolt guns either though. Okay. I can shoot paper with them, but I just something, something about it. Um, I'm just not an AR guy, Gotcha. And, you know, and I mean, it's just what it is. So I'm going to throw out a name here and you tell me if you remember this name, Robert okay. Patrick. Oh yeah. Yeah. I so, know Bob. So tell me about your calls that you've used over the years. Obviously you said that first time was with that cassette tape. Yeah. Uh, what tell me about some of the other calls you've used now if you were to go out like i said if i come out there and say hey, steve let's go hunting tomorrow you still using hand calls because you, oh, yeah. you produce them obviously so you yeah i'm it, right I, and, and i'm 99.999 hand calls i do have an electronic call um i think it's an old shockwave okay but sometimes if I don't feel like if it's cold, I don't get out of the truck. I just <laughs> right. put it on the hood or on the top of the cab and locate yeah. out here in Wyoming. I have found out that I am 80 or 90%. If I locate a subtle coyote and then move in on him close okay. instead of just doing dry stands, I don't do dry stands here. You won't catch me doing dry stands here. If a coyote, and you might drive 40 miles between coyotes because they are quiet here because of the government trappers. And, but if I can get a coyote to answer me back, right which comes with experience, but it's not too hard to figure it out. Then I can make my move and, and usually kill them. Um, I'm 99% hand calls because um, I went through the electronic call stage. Uh, I worked with Gerald Stewart, obviously closely. Mm -hmm. um, I designed an electronic predator call with HS, which was actually my demise with HS because they were going to put my name on the box and the son bitch was, or excuse me, I'm supposed to not cuss much <laughs> because the thing was broken. And they were going to deliver it to Cabela's and Bass Pro and the Big Five anyway. And that's one of the reasons I quit HS. Um, went to Flextone, designed the uh, FLX 500 for them and the 1000, which were really great calls. Uh, it did have one flaw. Um, if you used um, like a regular Energizer, it wouldn't last as long as if you used um, 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 rechargeable batteries. Because mm -hmm. there actually is a different output. You know, the 
rechargeable batteries output more than the stores and and there's a trigger on these electronic game calls you know when a battery goes dead it'll let's just make it simple for everybody it'll flip the trigger and then it'll just shut off mm -hmm. well you know back in the old days the radios when the batteries are going dead they well the electronic calls today won't do that because it does degrade the quality of the situation so when the battery's dead it just shuts off right which the battery ain't dead it's just not putting out what it's supposed to right. and and believe it or not tones and pitches draw more power than anything else so you know they had a few flaws but if you use rechargeable batteries it was fine um and then you know i did you know, I've had Fox Pros. Uh, I was the first guy to ever kill a coyote with an Icotech. Um, Hunter Specialties, when I designed that electronic call for them, they decided to discontinue the Preymaster. The Preymaster was built by a gentleman in China named Michael Jing. Well, Michael Jing had a whole warehouse full of these parts because keep in mind, they were doing $12 million a year of Preymasters. And, um, when Dave decided to discontinue it, he just called Michael Jing and said, hey, we're not doing Preymasters no more. Well, I got a whole warehouse full of these parts. What I do with them? I don't know. It's your problem. I didn't tell you to buy them. Hence, Icotech is born. <laughs> Icotech was a Preymaster inside a Fox Pro looking can. Okay. I mean, that's just plain and simple what it was when it started. When We, we seen it pop up on uh, one of the manufacturing sites where people promote what they can build and stuff like that we ordered one to make sure it didn't have none of our sounds on it and it didn't um but you know when i was taking it out to test it i tested it too you know just like i'm supposed to just like mike and his guys at fox pro tear every new call apart and make sure it follows fcc and all kinds of stuff um you know it it you know i killed coyotes with it before even icotech was i never thought it even was be born to be honest about it um you know they did it but i didn't think it really go anywhere and now they've really done good they're probably a two million dollar business or better now probably better now right and they're do they got some good market share and they're rolling and they actually have a good product too along with lucky duck as well you know there's there's three really good players right now yeah so did you um i don't recall i'm sure you have but i just don't recall seeing it very much how much night hunting do you do or have you done I do a lot of night hunting, um, okay. especially down in Texas and stuff. And then in Colorado, I'm a light guy. Um, thermal, thermal. I like thermal. It's cool. Um, the concept's awesome, but it, it just, my eye, there's something about when I pull my eye off of that and it just being dark. Yeah. I just, yeah, I can't, fine. I just don't jive with it. It's kind of, it's kind of like the AR. It's a great platform. I just don't do it. Um, so in, I, in regards to lights, do you have a color preference for your lights? Yeah, I use white light on everything, but really? depending, I will tell you one thing though. Um, you know, everybody says you can't kill stuff in Pennsylvania with white light. Well, Jeff Thomason proved him wrong on that. Um, when there's a company, it was called, um, oh gosh, COVID screwed me up. I can't remember half of this crap now. Um, what the hell was that? I can't even remember now. That shows how much I pay attention. I used it for years. Um, anyway, the last light, I actually helped with that light. Um, it was owned by Walther, which owned Umarex, which owned, it was a holding company that owned um, whatever this light company was. I mm -hmm. can't remember now. They're out of business, so uh, it's no big deal. But um, 
I got a few of them still left in stock at coyotecalls.com and they were super freaking lights. And they had a cow system, what they called it, a cow system, and it was high definition light. It wasn't as bright as most lights on the market, but it was so clean it wasn't wasn't scaring the animals. The brightness or the color or anything else is not really what's scaring the animals. What scares the animals is the breaks in the waves of light. Um, because when they pitched this light to me, I was like, you know, this cow system, I'm like, okay, well, you know, I took it out and used it and we tested it in Colorado. Steerman lives in Colorado and he's my age and been night hunting in Colorado since he can remember. And, um, you know, you can't use a white light in Colorado, right? That's what we tested in. And we used that dadgum thing. Um, Oh, I can't believe I can't remember what it was. But anyway, we used that thing. I remember the first night we tested it out, we called a coyote up to 30 yards and uh, just shining his lights out, you know. And I wasn't a big night hunting guy. I called Jeff. I said, hey, I got to test this light. What um, what do I need to do? This is white light, and I'm going where you can't kill them with white lights. And he said, burn their damn eyeballs out, Kreiner. And I was like, this is going to go bad. <laughs> And you know what? We did not. We did not scare. I've ne. I've. I can't remember a. a um, I can't remember anything flaring off that light in Colorado ever. Wow. We did get a group of pigs though uh, last year in Texas that every night flared off of it for some reason, which was really weird because they'd mm -hmm. never before. So I, I'm a white light guy. I like seeing stuff. Um, cool. When you hunt with lights, then what are you using to scan with? Um, well, we'd scan with that. Um, the gun depends on where. I, well, I never, I never mounted it on my gun. Okay. See, that's one thing I didn't like either, and that's what's good about running the camera. So where you put your shotgun, Mike, we always mounted uh, a light. Got it in frame all the time that way. Yeah, and I can't remember. I can't believe I forgot the name of that light. That's horrible of me. Sorry, JB, if you're listening to this. Which they don't, they're, they discontinued the light anyway because it, they, they were, their main push was in camping and stuff like that. I mean, the light market is huge, way more huge than predator hunting. Right. But, uh, you know, you can't sell a light to predator hunters that's got like camping and shit on a box. Um, <laughs> you know, they want to see dead stuff and they want to see I'm brighter than you and all this other stuff, you know, and it's just, it, it here we go. Optical dynamics okay. is what it is. And, um, uh, so uh, I, I don't know. Uh, I just white light, I, something about watching. I'm a daylight guy. I'm, right. I'm not a night hunter. I could, I like night hunting with Sterling. He's a night hunter, but, in, but he loves day hunting more, mm -hmm. but he's in Texas and that's just what they do. I could live without ever night hunting again. Sure. You know, I really could. And now that everybody's got thermal, um, you know, Utah, you couldn't buy a coyote in Utah in the daylight. Well, I, I know people killing 20 a weekend now because they got mm -hmm. thermal. Everybody's like, you know, I got to watch what I say. But <clears throat> um, I have told my buddies, though, like, you're hot rodding around killing 30 coyotes a weekend with this thermal. Sooner or later, you're going to have a bunch of jackrabbits with teeth. And he said, well, what's that supposed to mean? I've watched it. I remember when Arizona, you could, like, go out and yell at them and they would come to you. Now Arizona's tough. Nevada's tough. Utah's tough. I mean, places that used to be golden is tough. 
And what and coyotes evolved. They've been around 1.8 million years, all the way from Brazil to Antarctica. I mean, they're they're here. They're not going nowhere. Mm-hmm. Well, they figured out how to get away from us because they are nocturnal nocturnal an- animals with daylight tendencies. So they did figure out how to shut off that shit in the daylight and not get killed. Well, now they're getting killed every time they run to a call in the nighttime or a dead rabbit or whatever the sound may be. Sooner or later, they're they're going to be they're done again, like Ohio. Hunting coyotes in the daylight in Ohio was just, you know, it sucks. Well, I know people that couldn't kill 10 coyotes a year. Now they're killing 10 coyotes a weekend. And I'm not meaning that disrespectful, but it's it's like hunting coyote in thick brush. You know, used to in Arizona, you get out in the thickest crap ever and just stand there. I wrote an article for Trapper and Predator Caller one time called Thick Coyote, uh, maybe Predator Extreme. It's called Thick Cover Coyotes on the Stand Up. A guy from California taught me a tactic. You go in the thick stuff and stand up with a shotgun. And they'll just about run you over, no matter what way the wind's blowing. Well, them coyotes were giving up their wind and giving up a lot of their senses in the thick stuff because they'd never been approached that way before. Well, it's that way in the dark, right? Well, sooner or later, they're going to figure it out. They're not stupid. And, And so I'm not really a big advocate on thermal. That's why... That's why I'm the... This is a jab. This is the only reason I'm the only guy in the predator hunting industry that ain't got a free thermal light from some somebody. <laughs> I, I just, I'm not that guy. I just don't, uh, it's not got anything, probably when it comes to thermal, it's not the fact I don't want to work for free. The fact is, uh, like, listen, I just don't enjoy it as much mm-hmm. as, I'm, I'm not against it. I don't care how people hunt, go out hunt. If they run every coyote in this country tomorrow, I'll still love them. I still love coyote hunting and I'll still love the people that love coyote hunting and I'll still try to help them any way I can. But I just don't, I'm not a thermal advocate just because it's, you know, it's like putting corn on a hook at the marina and trying to catch a carp, you know? <laughs> right. I, I mean, it really is. Yeah. Um, you And that's tra- what make a lot of people mad. You've traveled all over. Um, how many states would you say you've hunted at this point? Um... You know, I have traveled all over, but not as much as a lot of people, just for the simple fact, when I did find a good run about 12 years ago, I just stayed with it. And then okay. people are my family now, mm-hmm. uh, where I killed that deer I'd hunted for almost 15 years. Uh, same way with Todd Rogers out in Western Oklahoma. I would say Nevada, Utah, Arizona, New Mexico, Colorado, Arkansas, Missouri, Illinois, Louisiana, Florida iowa i i would say 15 to 20 probably okay it you know count the dakotas and all that i mean there's a lot of states right in a big clump what's been your favorite one to hunt so far for oh man i really like colorado colorado is a good coyote hunting state western oklahoma is freaking good too i like oklahoma and colorado okay. i really really do um kansas is kansas it may be my favorite maybe i don't know i've got so many good memories of so many different spots it's it's as long as i'm killing coyotes i'm or calling coyotes more than anything i'm 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 in my favorite spot now from what i remember watching the tv show you relied a lot on distress do you Mm -hmm. still rely a lot on distress or do you get into vocals much no no i so I won the world championships in 2010 um, as a hand caller, obviously. Um, 
you know, I've always been able to howl super good. Uh, I'm not as good as some of them now, uh, because they're, they're really good howlers out there. But, uh, I howled on the stage with a diaphragm before ever anybody else had ever done it, you know, and it sounded so real. I mean, actually I didn't even, I didn't even place. It was, it was so, I had people at the end of the curtain congratulate me because they thought I just won the deal. I didn't even place. Um, so I've, I howl on about 99% of every stand. Uh, okay. Sometimes people don't see it on TV just because, I mean, it's kind of repetitive and it, it's, I wouldn't say boring, but it is what it is. Um, I, I do, I'm very adamant about telling people my secrets, which is changing tones and pitches and consistency in the stands, which is, it all goes back to woodsmanship. But when it comes to sounds, I always introduce a subtle coyote into the stand 99% of the time, just a really nice subtle howl. And then I'll go into a distress and, and I'll change it up volumes, pitches. I might play 10 different sounds in one stand. Um, I believe coyotes ain't running to dead rabbits. They're running to a pitch and a sound, a trigger. Um, Rich Higgins taught me that there's like eight different triggers, you know, from entertainment, greed, territorial, sexual, uh, social status. There's, there's triggers and you just got to find that trigger and they don't care what they hear up to that trigger. I really believe that. Um, it's funny out here. I mean, it's hard to call coyotes here, but you can grab a coon squalor. Hence why I come out with a screaming coon because shit, two seasons ago all the every coyote i killed here was with a dang coon fight you know and uh with electronic calls nowadays and coon fight sounds are really 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 good um mm -hmm. so i mean you can i mean you can tear them up you change your call sequence a lot throughout different type, times of the year no um i was talking about that in the bar with a guy the other day um about once a week people come in and want to talk coyote hunting i'm in a tourist town so and a big hunting destination. So I'll come in and get pictures and all that cool stuff that makes me feel pretty good. But, you know, they always want to talk about breeding season, you know? Well, so when do you switch over to your vocals? And I'm like, I have all the time. Well, I know, but you know, when they're starting to breed, what do you do? Same stand, man. It, because if they don't come in to what my stand is, I'm going to fix it. Mm -hmm. And if I, and if it consistently, is successful on the fix yeah i might leave out some of the stand but if i roll into a location it's the same stand until i get it figured out and if i get it figured out or pinpointed enough down to a trigger or like canine in distress let's just say i don't kill nothing and in 15 minutes i go to a pup in distress and they run in every time there'll be times i'll just go sit down and do pup in distress and kill a coyote yeah uh, me and scott hampton was talking the other day about it crows I introduce crows a lot to stands, not, not as much as subtle coyotes, but if there's crows there, coyotes know that it's safe because crows are the most weary animal on this earth. And I've had coyotes run. I, I've grabbed a hand call and electronics. Just They just run to that too. You know, I mean, a coyote coyotes are, if they're enthusiastic, they're pretty, pretty easy to handle animals, uh, especially when they're, when it's cold enough and they're really thinking about like, Hey, I need a free meal. Well, if they hear crows starting to, they, they know there's a Turkey fight or a hawk or something, something's going to go down, you know? So I've got several tricks and I wouldn't call secrets, but like little tricks I do. Um, but they might stem off of an unsuccessful regular stand. I don't just hardly ever, 
you know, it's breeding season. I'm just going to go howl. Mm-hmm. You know, if I'm just going to go howl in the morning, well, I know from some reason or for some reason that it's already uh, working, which could be a guy stopping the bar and say, man, I killed three cows today. All I did was howl. I'm going to howl tomorrow. Right. Well, I howl <laughs> yeah. anyway, but that's all I'm going to do. I'm going right. to howl and sit and watch. Yep. Um, can't remember the guy's name. He used to go by Wiley on the internet. He was a government trapper. Um, you know, he'd go out and locate coyotes and mark them and then come back, start it down them, and he would just go call, do pup in the strep, stress for 30 seconds and then shut up and kill coyotes. So, I mean, everybody's got their own way of doing it. I don't think anyway's right or wrong. Uh, depending on market um, algorithm and stuff, you know, depends on uh, a lot when people are taught something. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think, I think simple is better. Uh, consistency is better. Woodsmanship is the key. I don't care what you're doing. You got to be a good woodsman. Um, how about calling cadence? Do you change your cadence a lot? Yeah. Yeah. So I'm, that's a good thing about hand calling. You're never the same ever. Mm-hmm. Um, people can probably tell it's me hand calling cause I do have my own little rhythm and I do have my own little way. Um, if you've ever heard Ed Wimberly blow a, um, a uh, tally ho you know what i'm doing on my blood red jack open read um it's just like a and it's 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 a real easy sound to make a lot of people don't ever really get that far with it they just go blow it um everybody's got their own way but no matter what you're never the same that's why i think hand calls are very important because if you do everything right up to the point of blowing on a hand call you're golden anyway no matter what you're doing i think um whether it's my call or whoever's call um i think you're golden uh cadence i I mean sometimes i i do blow fast uh sometimes i do just my maybe just one scream every five seconds you know it just i i just try to find that i just create a scenario mm-hmm. every stand you can count on me just creating a scenario every stand that's kind of what i'm trying to accomplish okay um yeah i know i had the next question here um how about dang it i brain farted i just had, I had a question as gas. is that covid <laughs> Well, probably because I got so much stuff on my mind. It, it wasn't stuff. all that beer and whiskey when we were younger. It's COVID. <laughs> right. Oh, um, stand length. What's yeah, your preference um, on stand length? Does it set? Do you vary all the time? I got ADD, man. Um, <laughs> quick stands. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I'm quick at everything. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Eight minutes or nine minutes, you know, I'm starting to foam at the mouth. And if you get me past 15, it's because I know something's going to happen or I know there's something around. Okay. That's, that's kind of where I'm at with that. Now, would you say that's consistent in all the different states that you've hunted? All the different areas, all the different states. I am, I would say consistent. Yes. Okay. Uh, just for the simple fact of, um, if I do like, um, yeah, I'm I'm consistent. I don't really change anything depending on the areas or anything. The only time I really change is like, you know, if I go into like an urban scenario mm-hmm. or if I go into a situation where I know people have been pounding the hell out of it, and then I start getting a little bit of uh, veteran finesse. I start thinking, and it's usually off-the-wall stuff. I mean, did you know armadillos scream? 
No. Oh yeah. I've never I've never seen an armadillo. So yeah. where you where you live at again? Michigan. Oh crap. You're Yankee. <laughs> you should have told me that before we started this thing. I would have been joking. I would have been poking at you this whole time. So anyway, so if if I'm in an urban scenario or something that's just really kind of like out here with the coon squall um, or a coon fight, you know, world championships um, in 2010, I'd done a sound. I called it the coyote fox fight, and I did it on a, uh, a uh, critter call. And, you know, it's funny. Um, Dave Forbes, owner of Hunter Specialties, he was there, and he's like uh, – so what call did you, or what calls you're going to use? And I told him and he looked at it and he goes, is that ours? And I said, if you want me to win this son of a bitch, I'm using this one. <laughs> and, uh, but yeah, so it's like, um, you know, uh, yeah, I'm consistent. Yeah. I, I don't, I can't even really get off, off the road on that one and try to be scientifically smart about it. I just, I'm consistent. I don't like change. Um, when I get into urban areas or different situations, you have to change. And as a veteran, you, you feel that or see it immediately. Or if you get a, you know, you just figure stuff out pretty quick and you start making changes. If you're hunting a good area and you got population and you're something ain't right. Like, like I do believe in barometric pressure and moon phases and all that other stuff. But if you're in population and you go all day or two days and you're not killing something has to be fixed. And it could be as simple as getting in thick cover and using uh, 114, uh, Johnny Stewart's uh, squealing bird. It used to be the most famous sound in the world, you know, mm-hmm. um, until marketing kicked in. Um, so, you know, it, it, cats. I meow like a cat on a diaphragm, and I've killed a lot of coyotes just meowing at them. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's just all kinds of different things you can use. And I, and for everybody listening that might be new and they're really interested in hand calling, you can't do it wrong. Um, I used to be really bad at howling and I used to be really bad at pray, praying to stress sound. I used to be really bad at everything. All of us, you just hardly, there's not really much natural about anything in our life. We have to, you might be really good at football and people say, well, you're a natural. No, you're not. You, you, you had the ability to be the best, but somebody taught you. Right. So, I used to be really bad at sounding, and so if you grab my hand calls or somebody else's hand calls, or if you push the wrong button on an electronic caller, it's not the end of the world. If your howl breaks, whatever, if it makes you feel better, howl again. Nobody really cares. The coyotes don't care. They do care if you're subtle. They do care if you're aggressive. Uh, so, you know, a lot of people is like, whoop, whoop, whoop. You know, that sounds like a good howl, but if you screw up on one of them barks, or if you chop a howl after that bark and it's immediately an aggressive howl. So I don't bark half the time. I just howl and introduce coyote and go about my business. Okay. Um, but I am, I am off the wall. I, <laughs> I do, I do use a lot of unorthodox sounds, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, you shoot suppressed now, right? Yes. Do you feel, and this is a question I've been asking a lot of people lately, cause it's been in discussion a lot. Do you feel that shooting suppressed makes a difference on your success rate calling? Like say if you called in multiples or you call in one and shoot that, you think you're more likely to have another one coming in since you've shot, since you're shooting suppressed? Yeah. You know, I think it does make a difference as far, like I love the recoil reduction of a suppressor and I love the sound suppression, obviously for my camera guy's sakes. I have killed a crap ton of coyotes uh, run in as doubles 
and as soon as I drop one, just get immediately get on the Kai eyes and the other one stop and I shoot him. Um, I killed two triples on video before I ever shot suppressed. Mm -hmm. And I shot one quad after suppressed and I shot one quintuplet, I think is a five. I did shoot five in five out one time, not five trickle, you know, five, five mm -hmm. ran in and five died. Did it have anything to do with suppressed? Maybe, um, three of them were pups. Um, it was in October. I mean, but they were yours. They died within a five foot circle of each other because they couldn't figure out what was going on. Was it the suppressor? I don't know because you can still hear a suppressed gun and a right. coyote can hear a mouse squeak at a quarter mile away. So it's quiet to us, but it's still really loud to them. Right. I don't think it's the sound reduction that is the benefit. I think it's the sound distribution. Right. Because it's non-directional out of a suppressor. Yeah. Yeah. And if you, if you, if you um, studied coyotes and canines a lot, like, I have studied a lot with electronic calls, obviously me and Gerald has, and, and, you know, read a lot of studies and how they handle sounds and tones and pitches. And also along with their noses, you know, I mean, we used to spray down and do all the scent elimination, which actually works if you're handling with coyotes that are stupid. I mean, it all <laughs> dictates, it's all dictated by pressure levels, right? Everything we do is dictated by pressure levels. Um, but I think the suppressor obviously helps. Um, I, I just don't know. Um, I'm not a, I'm, I, I do know that my knowledge with sound distribution and, and how, how animals hear, I really honestly think that's the benefit, not, not the sound reduction, the distribution, yep. which brings me back to a break. Does a break, I mean, I, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not that smart of a guy, but. Um, I'm not sponsored by no suppressor company, so I'm going to tell you, I don't know, Fair but enough. I probably, probably so. I mean, <laughs> let's just face it. I mean, it's quieter, right? It's got it, got to be beneficial. Some it's beneficial for me. That's all I care about. And the guy standing next to you. Or and whatever. I've killed coyotes for 20 years before I ever got to a suppressor. And, right. and I've killed one on minute five and killed another one at minute 10. I mean, I, I airballed a coyote in 2015 in kansas me and hampton went to kansas and we killed 14 coyotes on 12 stands and all on video and i just loaded up and come home probably the stupidest thing I ever done we'd have killed a fortune there but i airballed a coyote and he just stood there and looked around he didn't care he was 70 yards from me mm -hmm. and i wasn't shooting suppressed so i i think everything depends on pressure levels just like everything else we do in the canines world uh, but definitely it has to help. I would think with, with the sound distribution, it has to help. I would think. Sure. Yeah. Makes sense. Yeah. I, I, I mean, about half to, you know, <laughs> right. Um, I had a question that was from somebody else that wanted me to ask when we got on this podcast. Um, so I'll probably make this one of the last questions. Okay. Um, how come you do better when you're hunting with Scott Hampton? <laughs> <laughs> You gotta be shitting me. <laughs> Did he know I was gonna be on tonight? Because he called me in the middle of this shit. He didn't know tonight, but <laughs> if I knew he'd answer, I'd call his ass right now and put him on speakerphone. No, I, I hope to get him on here one of these evenings too when he gets oh, a free it's, chance. It's this is funny stuff. Um, <laughs> oh yeah, I'm calling him. Let's see here. <laughs> I told you not to put me on this podcast in public. 
Hey, I got a bone to pick with you. Okay. I'm doing this. Can you hear him? Yeah. yeah I hear you. I'm, I'm doing this podcast, and this guy wants to know why I kill more coyotes when you're when you're with me. <laughs> <laughs> I said I'm calling that son of a gun right now. I'm going to hang up and finish this podcast, but I want you to know this is one for you to listen to, but I ain't letting you listen to it now. Okay. All right. Talk to you soon. Yeah. Truth, truth, now. I know. I know. Truth, truth. All right. All right. Okay, bye. He he filmed me kill that big deer in uh, Kansas last week. That was Uh, a nice deer, too. Yeah, I like like Hampton. So the reason I kill – I don't kill more coyotes when I'm with Hampton. <laughs> I've been very fortunate to have good hunts with Hampton. Um, has Hampton killed me coyotes? Absolutely. Um, you think I'm ADD. You put an electronic call in his hand. And <laughs> and here here's the difference between me and Hampton, right? Hampton, Hampton is a perfectionist. And when he started coyote hunting, which wasn't long ago, he had the tools at the tip of a finger, you know, the internet, knowledgeable people, and he just accelerated and everything he touches. And this is not me kissing his butt because, I mean, we've had our in and outs. We're, we're like brothers. You know, he knows I'm going to be 100% transparent. Um, the thing about him is he, he everything he does, he has to do it better than everybody else. He has to um, satisfy himself. And we've talked about it, me and him, a hundred times. Like he is a hundred miles an hour until he's burnt. Um, and he mentioned the same thing, you know, one time. He's like, man, I used to feel bad. If I didn't do two good pieces of video of my dog's work in a week, I wasn't doing it right. And that's why that's why, that's why, why people burn is mm-hmm. what I call it. You know, they burn down. And right. uh, But I will tell you, with an electronic collar, I've made stands. When he's filming with, when he's filming me, he takes a call with him, and uh, I don't know if I ever used an electronic call when I had Hampton um, with me. So it is safe to say I never um, lied about promoting something else. There never was a situation that I used a flex tone, let's say for instance, and then after the stand he used a Fox Pro. There never was that situation, but there was this situation. I'll be a hundred percent transparent and completely honest about it. Numerous times with Hampton. If I make my 8 to 10, 12-minute stand hand-calling, and I go through a lot of sounds, volume, pitches, yada, 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 and I don't kill nothing, as a cameraman, he still has a CS24 wrapped around him in a remote. And he'll just start pushing buttons. You mind? I'm like, no. Used to, he asked if he minds. Now he don't. He just does it. And, yeah, he he has called in coyotes that I would have walked away from. Yeah. Cause he uses a lot of weird shit. He uses a lot of sounds, you know, puppy sounds, vocals, coyote sounds, a lot of like, you know, he's a dog guy. So he he understands that. And he's studied on it probably more than a lot of us have. And he just takes that trigger pushing to the next level and he triggers them coyotes. And, and I feel like that's probably why he's as successful as he is because he don't give up as quick as the rest of us. Mm -hmm. You know, I might throw eight sounds at him. But I guarantee you on an eight-minute stand, he's thrown 10. <laughs> but he don't leave at 10. Yeah. At 15, I mean, he's 
he's just all over the place. And I, and I really think, and that brings me back to my theory of why I think coyotes come to the call. It's not a rabbit, a dog, a cat, or what it's volumes, cadences, pitches. But when it does come to canines, obviously they know, Hey, that's another canine. Um, I do really think that is a situation. Um, I don't think they can tell a rabbit from, from a deer. I don't think they run in and say, I'm going to kill this doe. I think they run in and they, there's something screaming and it's distress and hopefully it's a deer cause they taste good. He, but Hampton, he'll play all kinds of weird stuff and then he'll go into this weird vocals and some of the stuff he recorded it's, and yeah, yeah, he, I wouldn't say my best trip though has been with Hampton. I will tell you that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, well, we killed 14 on 12 stands nice. and I can't remember off the top of my hand or not if I gave up and he called any of them, but I think the one coyote I shot at like 400 yards that, that had slipped away from us, he called back. I think maybe that was, he, he'd have to, he'll, when you have him on, I'm sure he'll inform you, <laughs> right. but, but yeah, he, he's definitely, and that rolls back around, you know, uh, it, it solidifies the hand call electronic call debate. Mm-hmm. You know, can I do with my hand calls? what you can do with an electronic call. I believe I can, and I'm passionate about it, but I concentrate more on woodsmanship than I do that situation. Um, but it is so easy with an electronic call to accomplish what I accomplish with a sound. I may not call nothing, but I, I feel as a world champion, I do accomplish some really cool stuff with a hand call that you can accomplish with electric call, but you may not be with a hand call. So you you know, Ford or Chevy, you know, black or white, underwear, no underwear, you know, depends on what you like. <laughs> um, <laughs> so as brief as you can, because I, I'm going to wrap this up here pretty quick, okay. as brief as you can, though, you've mentioned woodsmanship several times. Can you give me an example of what you're referring to when you talk about woodsmanship? Okay, woodsmanship applies to everything that you're hunting let's just say in the hunting world not survival but let's just say we're hunting if you're going to kill a deer you're going to hunt where there's deer hopefully right yep you got to have deer to kill deer you got to have coyotes to call coyotes woodsmanship is not just one thing woodsmanship is built out of a lot of things you know you got to scout you got to figure out when where and why they're there there's ways to figure that out Due to woodsmanship, locate, ask your neighbors, drive around. I used to thermos a coffee in a pickup truck. I would drive mile after mile. And I didn't drive 25 miles one way. I would drive a 10-mile circle all morning because they move, right? Mm -hmm. And that's how I would find a population of coyotes that way, you know, in Missouri. Because Missouri, they're pretty shut mouth. Um, So I I depended on a lot on, um, you know, talking to people and and by seeing them. but you got to have coyotes to kill coyotes. You got to know when, where, and why. That That's a big thing. Because if they're there in the morning, they're probably not going to be there in the evening. Right. You know, and if you hear them in the middle of the night, that don't mean they're going to be. In the, they can be. Right. The good thing about coyotes is they're dogs, so they're variable. Everything is variable. You know, everybody's going to listen to this podcast, and they're going to, well, some of them are going to think I'm a, a butthead, and other people are going to think I'm just blowing smoke. And that's completely all right um because it's it's just a never-ending scientific equation gerald stewart says every coyote has a different formula 
I've heard that before. Yep. But the one common denominator is how you handle it as a scientist, right? Mm -hmm. Woodsmanship. It's all woodsmanship. You got to be consistent. You can't let them smell you. You can't let them hear you. You can't let them see you. If they hear you, they're probably going to sit there and wonder what you are, but they're not going to come to the call most of the time. If they see you, they're gone. If they smell you, you're gone. And you get one little maybe get out of free jail card, and that's it. Yeah. Uh, um, I mean, there's uh, they're a dynamic animal, and as a woodsman, you have to focus on that. And 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 we can do another podcast later with without me mouthing and talking so much and just really dive deep down into this if you want to. You, you scouting, you got to have coyotes, and and if you have coyotes, you got to get to point A to point B, right, and that's your stand. Point B is your stand. If you make a sound and you've not got the point B right, you're just wasting your time, which 90% of the time we, and I say we, not you guys, we, because I make that mistake all the time. We make mistakes from point A to point B that cost us time of the day. Mm -hmm. So you got to really try hard not to make them mistakes. You're going to make them. I'm going to make them. But, but if you concentrate on not making them, it's going to be muscle memory and your ratios are going to go up. Electronic calls, I love them to death, but if you get to point B and you walk out in the middle of a hay field, you're screwing yourself. Mm -hmm. I don't care what anybody says, and 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 people are going to, well, I do it all the time. Kreiner don't know what he's talking about. He's trying to sell his hand calls because I do it all the time. Well, you know what? You do do it all the time, but just think how much cooler you'd be if you did it every time. Yeah, it's not ever going to happen. Right. But, no, that's, that's There's a couple of guys in here, and I mentioned one of them before um robert patrick and then there's another gentleman that lives in michigan that older generation put it that way um and that's one of the first things they'll say when someone gets on there and asks well what should i be doing first thing they say learn the animal learn yeah. how to hunt them and you know it, you're just reinforcing that you know it's the same concept you got to have the basics down to be able to be successful i mean yeah you could go out and not have the basics and be successful, but if you want to be consistent and successful, you got to have those basics down. Like you're saying, what is yeah, and, and it's it's a basic game. It's not rocket science. It it really ain't. I would like. I got hung up at the first of my career of trying to make it a a a a, a biology game. You know, I knew when the coyotes were breeding this, that, that, that. You know, I mean, when I killed a female, I'd look and see if she was horsing. I mean, I was ate up. Now I don't give, I don't care what time of year it is. I don't care what the moon, I want to go coyote hunting. I'm going to go coyote hunting, but I'm going to do my job from point A to point B. Mm -hmm. Out here, I don't have time to scout like I would want to, or I did in the past. So that's why I only hunt coyotes that I hear and they got to be subtle. So I know my animal, yep. woodsman, I'm a woodsman. I know my animal and I do it where I can be the most efficient most of the time. Yep. And on another note real quick, and I know you're going to wrap it up. Have you had Bob Patrick on the podcast podcast? No, I, I is have his health. Is his health I, good? I haven't no, talked to him. He had a while. stroke. Um, I want to yeah. say about a year and a half ago, two years ago, he's yeah. still building calls. Um, good. the last time I tried to get a hold of him, we actually went up to hunt in the upper peninsula here and he said he was going to meet up with us and he didn't show. Yeah. Um, so he's been kind of hard for me to get a hold of, but I would yeah. like to have him on. Yeah, I hope I hope he's doing well. I haven't I haven't talked to him in a long time. Uh, 
he he's not a uh, Kreiner fan. <laughs> uh, we used to be really tight and we had a falling out, but I, I love the guy to death. He's a great caller and he's got more knowledge in him than most. He'll he's forgot more than I'll ever know. Probably, yeah. you know, so. So uh, you mentioned before that you're into manufacturing, you have your own businesses uh, real quick. If you'd like to mention what those businesses are and how to find them. Okay. Um, so dogsoldierarmory.com, you can see what I'm building as far as custom rifles. Um, Instagram, obviously, one and only dog soldier. You can see my rifles, hand calls, and about everything I do, Harleys, you know, beers. Uh, I don't drink, but I serve a lot of beers. I am a bartender. That is the coolest thing I've ever started in my life. Um, it, it's such, it's so relaxing. Uh, and I have, and it's cool. I've got to fight more in the last eight years than I've fought in the 10 before that. I mean, it actually had to kind of roll back a little bit because I'm too old for it. But so that's pretty cool. But, you know, dogsoldierarmory.com. And you can also find uh, we soft launched Legend Precision last week. Uh, you can find a lot of information um, on Dog Soldier Armory about the scope. But coyotecalls.com, you can actually order the scope and see more details on it. Um, me and a, a gentleman that I've worked with for years, um, just we didn't reinvent the wheel it's just like my hand calls or my custom calls or anything i've ever done i've never been the i'm better than everybody else kind of guy i just want to do things the way i want to do it and build a good product that i can stand behind so we decided to start a holding company and our first brand is legend precision and and i wanted a little higher end scope and do things a little different than axion was doing for me with the dog soldier scope so we started uh, legend precision optics which is a which is a pretty banger scope and and you know it's got a steve kreiner warranty which is you can throw that thing off of the golden gate bridge and long as you're long as you swim to the bottom and get the scope i'll give you a new one I don't care. that's the clean steve kreiner warranty. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> all right well thank you very much steve for joining us this evening yeah yeah thank you man really sorry enjoyed it took it. so long yeah sorry it took so long to get this put together that's all right and uh, maybe we'll do it again in the future. But thank you for joining us, and thank you, everybody, for tuning in to the Overdrive Outdoors podcast. We'll see you on the next episode.